0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. Game 1 of the American League Wild Card Series. It's the Cleveland Guardians 2. The Tampa Bay Rays one. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And man, we did it. We came out. We took game 1 over the Tampa Bay Rays. We won a pitcher's duel. I mean a straight up pitchers duel this game was over in a flash because both pitchers were out there just being dominant and we got the big hit we got the big one to take the game uh to, to I mean this whole game boils down to basically two swings a solo home run for the Tampa Bay Rays and a two-run home run for your Cleveland Guardians all in the 6th inning I mean other than that they were just absolutely flying through this game so uh, the fi- the final time, what was the final time on this game? It was like two hours and seventeen minutes. That's it. That is a fast, fast baseball game. Now I told you this was a ridiculous weekend for me, especially to try to pay attention to a wild card series. I managed to do it while I was working my butt off today, and I got to be right back at it at like seven in the morning. So we're recording this thing at midnight, and that means this show. When we record it late at night, it becomes Cleveland Baseball Nightly. So, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And, uh, you know, we were a little bit wrong in some of our predictions We were a little bit wrong about what the starting lineup was going to be. You know, I had guessed that Josh Naylor was not going to be in the starting lineup. I was right that Owen Miller was going to be in the starting lineup, just as a DH. Uh, I thought he'd be in there at first base. Frankly, there weren't that many right-handed options to DH. I I don't think he trusts... I don't know how much he trusts Arias or Benson uh, to DH uh, in a big spot like this. So we went with some more veteran guys. Guys that, I mean... I'm when Miller and Josh Naylor have barely had a cup of coffee in the major leagues compared to some of the players. Uh, yeah, I guess there's a lot of young players in this series. I was going to say maybe some of the other players in the playoffs. I was looking at Tampa Bay's roster going, nope, these guys are all ridiculously young too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of youth out there for both teams. And, uh, yeah, so he goes with his established guys that have been here all year, Naylor and Miller. Uh, they don't really factor into this one. Miller goes 0 for 3. Um, so... They don't factor into this one, but that was his choice. We'll see what he decides tomorrow with a lefty on the mound, or with—I'm sorry—with a righty on the mound. Um, will a Will Brennan get a chance to play? You know, Brennan's been a huge part of this September and this role they've been on lately. Will he get a chance against a right-handed starter? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, we were also wrong about what the playoff roster would look like. They carried a much deeper bench than I ever thought they would carry. Now, these aren't really, sorry, these aren't really the top storylines of the game, but I figured we'd get this out of the way at the top of the show. Uh, They're carrying a much deeper bench than I thought they would. They're carrying the three catchers. They're carrying Bo Naylor. They're carrying the uh, two extra infielders. Not only do they have uh, Owen Miller there uh, as a utility guy, but they have Gabriel Arias, who they kept on this roster, and then they're carrying two extra outfielders in Benson and Brennan. So both the wills make the roster. Basically, the whole September call-up bench makes a roster, and they sacrifice some pitching for this. They go with a smaller pitching staff uh, in this series. I think that shows a lot of confidence in Francona to basically say, like, look, if you somehow make it through, you know, our starter Bieber, if you make it through, then. You know, Trevor Steffen and Nick Sandlin and Eli Morgan and James Karachag and Ennio De Los Santos and Emmanuel Classe and Sam Henches. And all we have left is Kirk McCarty. Fine. You probably deserve to win. Like, I think that's basically what he's saying, you know, with a smaller pitching staff and a bigger bench. So uh, it turns out they didn't need any of those pitchers uh, because Bieber and Classe were able to get it done, the two of them. I mean... You wanted the stars to show up for this one. Maybe that's the top storyline of the game, is the Guardians' stars showed up for them. I'm talking Jose Ramirez. I'm talking Bieber. I'm talking Classe. Even throw in Ahmed Rosario there. Man, they were really, really had themselves a good first game to kick off this series. All right, so let's get into it. I mean... It's Jose Ramirez, right? Jose Ramirez's home run is the top storyline of the game. It was the moment. It's one of those playoff moments. You were going to see that replay for the next 30, 40 years. You were going to see the replay of this home run. Just such a perfect, the crowd was just kind of bubbling to it, right? There was so much energy in the crowd. Even after things didn't really work out, uh, you know, the first few times they got guys on base. It's okay. They get someone on in the first inning, right? Ahmed Rosario with a single, one-out single in the first inning. They don't do anything with it. He strikes out Jose Ramirez. Uh, They get another runner on in the third, another one-out single. Don't really do anything with it. That was Miles Straw. Uh, They get uh, Oscar Gonzalez and Josh Naylor, two guys on in the fourth, and Owen Miller hits into a double play. And I know know the people with the anti-Owen Miller agendas out there, oof, really sank their teeth into that one. But then finally in the sixth inning, we get it. The big moment the crowd had just kind of been bubbling to, you know, just kind of waiting to explode into this moment. And they did. I mean, what a moment. And then, and then the Rays go and challenge it, which works up the crowd even more into a frenzy. And now you have Jose Ramirez and Ahmed Rosario banging the railing, pumping up the crowd like it's a college game, frankly. I mean, that's the kind of atmosphere it had. Uh, Maybe it's just the youth on this team, but just that energy that you feel at like a college sporting event. uh, That's the kind of feeling it had in this one with them getting the crowd all pumped up and into it. So uh, yeah, I mean, what a huge moment. All right, now let's go back. That was the emotional side of things. Let's go back to the baseball side of things. How did we end up at this moment? Well, I told you that Shane McClanahan, right? We talked about him on that Game 162 episode. And we did a little preview and we said, look, changeup curveball. He is nasty with his changeup and with his curveball. And he throws them mostly to right-handed batters. Frankly, he faces mostly right-handed batters. The changeup, especially, 618 were thrown to right-handed batters. Eight. Eight single digits were thrown to left-handed batters. Now they hit 145 off of that changeup. They slugged 181 off of that changeup. One home run, that's it. He gave up one home run off of that changeup. It had a 44 percent, 44.6 percent whiff rate. But Jose Ramirez was clearly gunning all game for that changeup. He wanted that changeup in his first at-bat in the first inning after Ahmed Rosario singles. Starts him off with a fastball away. Throws him two changeups middle away off the plate. Gets him to extend the strike zone. He goes out there. He fouls off both of these changeups. He he is being aggressive towards every changeup that comes out of McClanahan's hand. Even though that's his most dominant pitch, Ramirez is determined to take it away from him. So he fouls off two. Throws him a fastball up changes the eye level a little bit. He misses up with it, but it changes the eye level enough that he drops a curveball on him. Another very good pitch of his drops the curveball below the knees and he swings through it and strikes out. Okay, but he's up there hunting that changeup. I mean, it's very clear from this at-bat what his mindset is. All right, so he comes up again later in the game, his second at-bat here, and uh, this time McClanahan starts him with a uh, curveball, Throws him uh, for a called strike. A forcing fastball that he fouls off. Throws him then a uh, forcing fastball high that he lays off. And then throws him a changeup now to go for the strikeout. Leaves the changeup away. Middle away still. And uh, he hits this one in play. He chops it back to McClanahan. He goes out of the strike zone. He reaches for this changeup. He again is being very aggressive at this changeup. Now I will tell you the location that McClanahan lives with this changeup. Now remember he's a lefty, so his arm side is going to be the right side of the plate from the catcher's view. So he leaves it on the arm side of his plate. I bet this thing has a little bit of tail to it and he uh, drops it on that inside zone, that inside bottom corner. I'm telling you on the pitch chart here, it's like a, it's a colored blob, right? Where the center is a deep red and then it gets a little lighter red and then blue around the edges. That deep red is located right in the bottom corner of the strike zone uh, to the arm side for the lefty McClanahan. So for Ramirez in this game, he's actually leaving it up a little bit. He's keeping it away. He's keeping it off the plate, but he's leaving it up a little bit. Well, that would lead into Jose Ramirez's third at-bat of the game with Ahmed Rosario standing on first base, throws him a first pitch changeup, finally he decides, okay, I'm not going to expand the strike zone for this guy again, tries to lay off it, it's a called strike, at least on StatCast here, it looks like it's outside the strike zone, strike zone seemed a little inconsistent anyways on the day, comes back with a curveball in the dirt, tries to mix up the eye level a little bit here, goes back to his bread and butter pitch, that changeable way, and again, I told you, all season, he's been pounding it at the knees, down. He's been keeping it down on that edge, on that arm side edge. He throws another one to Jose Ramirez. This one is at the belt, and this one catches the plate. Every other changeup that he's thrown him on the day has been off the plate. This one catches the plate, and Ramirez doesn't try to pull it. Powers it the opposite way. Powers at 101.4 miles per hour, 27-degree launch angle, 389 to the seats and right center field for a two-run home run. He was waiting all game for this pitch. All game, he knew what he was getting. Man, he was all over these changeups all day, following them off, being aggressive on them, Just waiting for one to come in just enough, to catch just enough of the plate that he could do exactly this. I don't know, I didn't see any post-game interviews with Jose Ramirez, but it would shock me, shock me, if if this isn't exactly what he had pictured in his mind. When he was envisioning his advance against McClanahan uh, you know, last night, he had to have been imagining this. So, uh, it's a huge, huge moment. I, like we said, the crowd was pumped up. There was the weird thing about challenging whether uh, Ahmed Rosario actually touched second base the right amount of times, but whatever, it's it's all upheld. It's a two-run home run, and uh, I mean, that was the moment of the game. Offensively, that was the moment of the game. Like I said, the Guardians had a few moments where they would threaten, but really, I mean, that was the whole offense. Jimenez was single in the seventh. He would go opposite field uh, off the lefty and single and drop one in, but they weren't able to drive move him off first base. Jose Ramirez would then single at 107.6 miles per hour, shoot one through uh, in the eighth inning, but Gonzalez would strike out behind him to end that. So they really don't threaten offensively much in this game, despite eight hits. Eight hits, it's decent day offensively, but they really don't threaten other than this home run. Uh, and that two runners on when Miller hits into a double play, those were their two moments Offensively, one that doesn't happen, the second one, it definitely happens. So uh that was what was going on on the offensive side of the ball. Now, meanwhile, Tampa Bay on the other side of the ball, they score their only run via solo home run in the top of the sixth inning. Jose Siri gets two basically down and away fastballs from Shane Beaver, and he misses low with ball one and then comes back with the same pitch. And uh Jose Siri crushes it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He crushes this thing. So the first one he misses just below the knees. It's clearly he's trying to establish strike one here. He figures I don't get the fastball. I don't get the call on the fastball. Let me throw it one more time. Uh-uh. Siri was ready for it. He was squared up to it, hits at 107.5 mile per hour, exit velocity, 20-degree launch angle, 403 feet. Basically to the same spot. Siri and Ramirez basically hit their shots to the same spot out there. So, we talk about this all the time in the regular season. As the starting pitcher, it's so important to put a zero up after your team had just scored. And that's the one thing McClanahan can't do. Because both home runs happen in the sixth inning. So, immediately, just when Tampa Bay probably thinks they have a little bit of momentum, finally they broke through on Shane Bieber Boom! Jose Ramirez flips that momentum on its head and makes it all Cleveland's momentum. So that's a that doubles down how huge of a moment it was for Jose Ramirez to hit that home run in the sixth inning. So they get their one run on that hit. They only had three hits in the entire game because Shane Bieber, the other storyline of the game, is Bieber and a little bit of Klaase for the last four outs was dominant, dominant. Uh, at a level we haven't seen, I don't even think we saw at during the regular season, him be just this in command of a game. He'd have innings where he'd get into a little bit of trouble. He'd work out of it. He'd go six innings. He'd rack up the strikeouts, of course, but not this, this in control of the game. I don't even want to say dominant, just so in control. In control of his emotions. In control of the fans' emotions. In control of the Tampa Bay Rays' hitters. He goes seven and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, one walk, eight strikeouts. Does give up the solo home run. On 99 pitches, he's hard hit only five times. Like I said, three hits. That's beautiful pitching from Shane Bieber. So what was he doing? What was he throwing? Going over to the illustrator here, it's interesting because facing the right-handed batters, it was fastball, cutter, and slider all down and away. All away. Everything is away. Never lets anything even make it to the uh, inside edge of the plate. Everything is from the middle away. Whether he goes up or down, he did throw a few fastballs up, but both basically pounding the outside corner, the lower outside corner of the strike zone with the cutters and the sliders all day to the right-handed hitters, which is interesting. Now, he has been throwing the cutter more often this season. We did talk about that the cutter percentage went from only 3.2% in 2021 up to 16.6% in 2022. Almost his, almost more than the curveball he's used the cutter this year. And he does in this game. And in the regular season, almost uh, two-thirds of the time, he's throwing it to left-handed batters. Well, now he's throwing it to right-handed batters in this game. He only throws a few to left-handed batters. I don't know how many lefties are in the lineup, but he only throws four cutters, to left left-handed hitters. Everything else he throws to the righties. So uh, going over to the player breakdown page, uh, Bieber's numbers are just off the chart awesome. So the cutter is the second most used pitch on the day. He throws the four-seam fastball 41 times, 24 cutters, 23 sliders, only 10 knuckle curves. It just kind of wasn't there. He gets the first strikeout of the game uh, frozen. Uh, I think he freezes uh, Wander Franco, uh, the second batter in the game, after Yandy Diaz knocked uh, Andres Jimenez basically on his rear end with a one-hopper that was hit so ridiculously hard. Um, Wander Franco would come up and get frozen, get absolutely frozen on a curveball on a full count. That ground out by Diaz, by the way, was hit at 104.4 miles per hour. So, yeah. That was a shot right at Andres Jimenez. Um, So yeah, so he strikes him out looking on that curve, but then he doesn't really use it much for the rest of the game. It is cutter and slider for the rest of the game, and for good reason. He had a 58% whiff rate on that cutter, 7 whiffs on 12 swings. He had a 67% whiff rate on that slider, 10 whiffs on 15 swings. Add in 11 called strikes on the four-seam fastball. It's good for a 36% CSW total on the day. That's pretty good stuff. For playoff baseball, that's borderline elite right there. And like we said, when they were actually putting it in play, they weren't hitting it very hard. Uh, They were not barreling many things up. So, yeah, it is a fantastic day pitching from Shane Bieber. And now the final question we got to ask, we got to go back to the illustrator and say, okay, well, what pitch was getting the strikeout? What pitch was doing it? Well, not surprisingly, it was the slider and the cutter, and they were down and away. Like I said, the only strikeout to a left-handed hitter was that Wander Franco frozen curveball in the first inning. I don't know if he just thought, you know, where he saw the curveball, he thought it would bottom out, and it just didn't. It just hit right in the middle of that strike zone on the outside edge. And then everything else was right-handed batters. He gets Beth in court with a slider in the strike zone. That he swings through on an 0 2 count. He gets a Rosa Reyna with a cutter in the strike zone on a 3 2 count. And then he expands the strike zone on Yandy Diaz. He chases a slider. Bethancourt chases another slider. Harold Ramirez chases a slider down and away. A Rosa Reyna chases a slider down and away. And uh, a Rosa Reyna also in that first inning chases a cutter down and away. Uh, so yeah, just dominant, dominant stuff from Shane Bieber working that lower outside edge. To the right-handed hitters. And that a rosa one was fun in the first inning because he just got a piece of one on the pitch before. Uh going to that at bat. Uh yeah. So he gets he really had to work to get Wander Franco. Seven pitches. So he works it to a full count and he gets him looking. And then a Rosa Reyna just being really aggressive against him. Uh the four seam fastball uh for a call strike on the outside edge. A cutter on the outside edge for a called strike, and then blows him away with one in the dirt. Uh, not in the dirt, but down at the shoe tops, basically, that he chases for strike three. There was another strikeout. Maybe it was the second to end the second inning where, uh, no, it wasn't that. I don't know where it was in the game, but he definitely got someone to almost chase one, basically, chase one down uh, that they just say he foul tipped that he just got a piece of. So what does he do? He doubles down on the pitch and gets the guy to whiff at it again for another strikeout. So I don't remember which at-bat that specifically was, but it was a fun moment in this game. Was it a Rosarena second at-bat? Yes, it was Reina's second at-bat. That's what it was. I had a feeling it was a Rosarena. Uh He throws him a cutter that he misses away for ball one, a forcing fastball on the out- lower outside edge for a called strike gets a swinging strike on a slider down and away, throws him another slider more in on the plate that he foul tips, and then buries one down and away again, way off the plate that he chases for strike three. So really had a Rosa Reina out over the plate chasing those sliders. Um, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm blown away. I am blown away with how good of a pitcher Shane Bieber was on this day. So this is everything you could ask for for an opening game for your Cleveland Guardians, right? To kick off the playoffs like this, wow. I mean, you get a huge hit from Jose Ramirez. You get dominant, dominant pitching from Shane Bieber. Classe comes in and gets the four-out save and does it on 11 pitches, which means he's available to pitch again in another save situation uh, for this Saturday game. So, I mean, I think, I think that covers it. I think that sums up everything I have to say about this game. Uh, like, like I said at the top of the show, we're, we're doing Cleveland baseball nightly, so it is super late here. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap this thing up. I mean, it's a fun, fun win. It's a simple win. If you, I'm sure the line at Vegas, I'm sure there's a – well, I guess you don't have to gamble in Vegas anymore. You can pretty much gamble anywhere in the country at this point. Uh, but I'm sure there weren't many prop bets that said the Guardians were going to hit a home run. There weren't many people laying down bets that thought the the Rays and Guardians would both hit a home run in this game. I bet you most people were betting the opposite. Were betting there were going to be no home runs hit in this game. And sure enough, that's, that's the whole offense. I couldn't believe it. The whole offense for both teams are home runs. So, uh, you know, you never know what to expect when you go to the ballpark. And it could be something completely different for game two. I mean, it could be a bunch of rallies all over the place for game two. I don't know. McKenzie seems to be pretty dominant except when he gets tagged for the home run. It's something he's going to have to watch out for in this game. It's the one thing that can get him uh, is the home run. So uh, hopefully he is locked in just like Bieber is and we can wrap this thing up in two games. Wouldn't that be fantastic if we could wrap this thing up in two and then Quantrill can go out there and start game one? Oh, man, I'd love to see that. So uh, that's all my thoughts on this one. MVP on the day? You know what? I was debating literally in my head all night between Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. Ramirez for the moment. Bieber for just dominating the whole game. It's my show. It's my rules. I'm splitting the trophy. Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber are co-MVPs on the day. We couldn't have done it without either of those guys. True leaders on this team, and we couldn't have done it without either of them. So co-MVPs on the day. Oh, man. Uh, some crazy things happen around uh, the playoffs here. I mean, you have Seattle jumping all over Toronto in the first inning. You've got uh, the Phillies in the final inning, and their final at-bats. They're down to nothing, and they score six runs in the ninth inning. Can you imagine watching your bullpen just implode in the ninth inning of a playoff game? That had to be so heart-wrenching for Cardinals fans. Uh, like I said, the Mariners score three runs in the first inning and just jump all over Toronto. And then the Padres just blow the Mets out of the water seven to one. I mean, they were booing Max Scherzer when they took him out of the game after giving up a three run home run in the fifth inning. He was getting booed walking off the mound in New York. I mean, that is not the kind of good vibes uh, you expect when a playoff series is starting at home. So A lot of crazy stuff already goes down in just game one of your 2022 playoffs. So uh, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's your Guardians 2, the Rays 1. Let's run it back at lunch one more time tonight. Tomorrow, whatever, whenever you're listening to this. The Saturday game, let's do it again. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.